2: Ben, you're going you to hurt someone
1: you love, but you're doing it for the love of everyone else. Exactly.
2: Are we recording this, Ellis? Yeah, okay. Well, let's just rock and This has gone by lunch. I know my heart in my pick and my Ben Thomas, I'd like to apologise to you for cutting your copy of piece you wrote in the spin-off. Do you want to do You had a gag at the top. Do you want to do it now?
0: No, it's fine. We'll just, we'll, do, we'll just like like everything else I do, I'll just slip it in organically into oh, the I podcast. Oh, I see. You've prepared. As prepared, prep, if I just came right. up with it okay. just at that moment. Okay.
1: But you have practised it, that way, so it'll be good.
0: Yeah, that's why I was late. Um, I was yeah. just sitting in the car, like, repeating it, trying to get the cadence right.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: Annabelle, Matha, nice to see you. How E-t- are you? You too.
1: Good. So I'm wearing daytime clothes in the daytime, so obviously <laughs> we've gone down an alert level, yeah, which is exciting. It's the
2: old normal. Back um, to
1: the old normal. No more PJs till five.
2: Um, can I just say thank you to Flick Electric who uh, make this podcast possible. Um, you can check them out by clicking through on any politics post on the spin-off. They're cool. We like them. Um, and this podcast was going to be about, when we set it up, we're going to talk about the budget, um, since which... Actually, hang on. Can I do this? Will this listen? Bueller? 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 That's my first question for you, Ben. As a National Party insider, Um, (laughs) is it Bueller? Is it Mueller, Muller, or Muller?
1: I'm so confused. I felt like a dick all week about It's definitely
0: not. It's definitely not Mueller. It's phonetic. It's Muller. Is
1: it Muller? Muller,
0: and not Muller. Not Muller. Not like the German footballer. No, he's not some dirty foreigner. He's died in the wolf. Died in the wool Kiwi true-and-blue mm. national. Mm. He was carved out of a Cody fence post mm. in the National Party workshop. Mm. <laughs> a mm. suit was slapped on him mm. and a National Party <laughs> rosette and he was put into the Bay of Plenty electorate. Mm. Mm. And uh, they,
2: they, they produce many different models and they, that's the great thing on the campaign trail. <laughs> he'll be able to be at several hustings at the same time.
0: Mm. That's right. You, are, you which, which muller will you get? Muller?
2: Uh, <laughs> muller? muller. Not muller. 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 No. What did muller. I say? You said Mueller. Did I? No. Oh. The, I said Matt Ducey. We No one knows no. what we're talking about because no one has heard of this fellow. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Todd. Um, and um, as we, we are recording this on Thursday morning, actually what I thought I'd do, I'll do this now. I'll do this now. Um, my pick is that Simon Bridges is definitely going to remain his leader. My pick is that Todd Muller is definitely going to take over as from Simon Bridges as leader. Ellis, can you just cut out one of those when we put this live on, on wait, Friday? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I agree. Right. What do you and think, Ben? Yeah, that's what I've been saying all along. Um, the challenge is going to happen in an emergency caucus meeting on Friday morning, um, and uh, it uh, seems all but sure that it will be the ticket, a ticket of Todd Muller and Todd Mueller and Todd Muller, uh, with Nikki Kay as well. Is would it Nikki Kay deputy. or Nikki
1: Ka-
0: Kaye? Kaye. Kanye. Kanye. Um, N- Nikki Kaye. So, sort of like <laughs> done in a kind of um <laughs> what is, what, like shamanistic Bruce Willis Willis sort of voice, way. Like, right. Kind yeah. of diehard, <laughs> kind of
2: like
1: Nikki Kaye. <laughs>
2: I feel like this is a special Paul Simon record that's about to be loosened upon the world. Um, versus the incumbents who are Simon Bridges and Paula Bennett. Sometimes mm. pronounced Paula Benefit. Yes, that's a tricky one too for, for everybody. <laughs>
1: or Paula Bennett in France. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, uh, and what's going to happen, Bells? What, um, uh, which way do you see the cookie crumbling?
1: Um well I listened to Jamie Lee Ross and mm. he's convinced that um that Simon has done a deal with um Mitchell and and Judith Collins and that he will be safe, that he'll hang in by the skin of his teeth. Mm. But I tend to agree with what Michelle Bogue said. Said this morning, You're which is that. You're always agreeing with Michelle Bo. Me and Michelle, because we went to Auckland Girls Grammar. Yes. so yeah. She's my mentor. She's a co-old girl like yeah. me. Yeah. um I, I tend to agree that that Mule, Mula Muller, Muller, mm. M- Mara mm-hmm. probably has the numbers. Mm-hmm. A- and what a, I mean, it's a good-looking ticket, right? You've got like, as you said, the old-school, dyed-in-the-wool, traditional, national party. Uh, dude um, with the young, bright star, urban liberal Nikki Kaye, I mean it seems like you've got all your bases covered there
2: In terms of uh, profile, Nikki Kaye is much better known than uh, Thomas Mueller (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Uh, Like, I I mean she obviously had um, uh, breast cancer and had to recover from that and that sort of took her out of politics for a while. But there was a lot of talk that Nikki Kaye was the only person who could beat Jacinda Ardern, having done it uh, twice in Auckland Central. Um, How come it's Todd and Nikki and not Nikki and Todd challenging for the National Party leadership, Ben?
0: Yeah, Nikki Kaye and Jacinda Ardern comparisons are easy and trite and tiresome, but actually I think in this case they're apt in terms of, you know, before Jacinda Ardern became uh, Labour Party leader eight weeks out from the last election, she was very much on record as saying she didn't want to be leader, She uh, that wasn't in her plan, she had no ambitions to be leader. I think largely she was telling the truth um, and then it was sort of foist upon her. Um, because of the, the precipitous position that Labour was in and the fact that they had tried all of their indistinguishable grey middle aged men. Um, they had all been thrown onto the front and, you know, been mowing down by the National Party. Nikki is the same. She's been pretty clear that she doesn't want to be leader. Um, I think she's telling the truth. Uh, she came back from that uh, breast cancer scare. Well, not scare breast cancer. Um, hmm. She survived. Hmm. Um, she came back, I think, with quite a new approach to life. She's much more uh, relaxed than she used to be. Much more easygoing. A bit sort of probably comes across as a bit personally warmer. Hmm. Um, in addition to you know still being this kind of frenetic workaholic, hmm. you know, with this kind of tireless work ethic. Hmm. Um, you know, I think she would be probably the hardest working uh, MP in New Zealand. Um, but you know, I I, th- and I I wouldn't rule out that Nikki would be the leader one day, but I think it will be a, it would be at a time when you know the caucus was demanding that she become the leader. Um, that's not the situation now, and I, I, I don't think she has any personal ambition to be the leader at the moment. Um, but a- at the same time, you know, now I mean, we should note Nikki Kay hasn't confirmed that she would be the deputy for Muller and neither has Muller. So that's, that's just... Well, I mean, he sent a letter to the caucus, so that's... that's, that's it, it didn't, that's didn't mention
2: Nicky. Yeah. No, oh, sorry. I, oh, did you mean that he hasn't confirmed that Nikki is? He, yeah, it, he's confirmed right? that he'll be yes, challenging, yes, but true. he
0: hasn't confirmed that's that true. Nikki will be on that's his true. ticket. And I think it's Nikki one of those confirmed. occasions. It's where he, those the, the, by knows, omission,
2: yeah. you can you can you can reasonably yeah. infer. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That is Nikki, there Nikki any Kai chance able that it's to,
1: not Nikki?
2: A, I think there's a chance that she would say actually no, but I think it's I think I think it's one of those weird things. I think often and you know. Political podcasts and the like, people massively overstate the role importance of a deputy. And 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 I think if you asked um, a lot of New Zealanders who the deputy leader of the Labour Party is, they wouldn't wouldn't know. Um, I think
0: they would, they'd, but they did not was Grant Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> He's the is he
2: the I thought he was co leader. The um, <laughs> the um, the. But in terms of the kind of as a ticket as the cell, mm. she is a critical part of that. Given her profile and given her
0: given her CV you know and National likes these double acts uh, the party you know for whatever reasons historically has liked a kind of balance you know it used to be a North Island leader in a South Island deputy or a South Island, mm. more more often a national, actually, a South Island leader and a, a North mm. Island deputy, a, a, a male leader, a female deputy, or a female leader and a male deputy, uh, a Liberal and a Conservative, because the National Party, you know, its core reason for being is to keep Labour out of power, but it comes from those two traditions, the merging of the Conservatives and the Liberals and the old Parliament. Um, and so, so Nikki Kaye's very well-established, liberal, socially progressive credentials are not actually the handicap that some people have been making them out to be because National does actually respect those sort of two parts of its provenance and they like to see that balance reflected. Muller is regional, she's urban. All
2: right. It's a broad church, all of that sort of thing. It's the, you know, the National Party likes to think itself as the kind of natural party of government, all that stuff. But how does the caucus breakdown in this race um because we know there's a kind of bit of a rump in there of uh, kind of religious conservative element in there um uh not not can, can, we can overstate that of course but there is a group and presumably they coalesce with uh the more sort of your standard kind of conservative you know tory type branch and then Muller and uh and Muller and Nikki Kaye represent a kind of more, for want of a better word, a more liberal or more progressive part of the party. Is that is that how it breaks down or is that too simplistic?
0: No, I think that's simplistic. Muller is a conservative. He's a social conservative. He voted against abortion reform. Um, he is not, you know, he is he's not an urban cafe mm. uh, kind of politician. Mm. You know, he's 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 worked in the commercial world, but it was for Zespri, you know, uh, and Fonterra as well. Z- think, Zespri yeah. and Fonterra, so yeah. primary industries, getting out there at field days, worn in the gumboots, that kind of thing. Um, You know, even if if he is the kind of uh, regional guy who has, you know, a $300 swan dryer and $150 red band gumboots, he's still rural and regional. Mm. Um, And so I I don't think there's that clear opposition between socially conservative bridges and progressive Muller, Because Muller is not particularly progressive. Mm. Um, Kay is, that's hence that balancing kind of act. I think where the deputy issue comes into it, because again, yeah, I, I think you're right. Tradition- often the role of the deputy is overstated, you know, it doesn't actually add that much to the campaign. But where it might come into this is there is, you know, a couple of years ago I wrote a, as it turned out to be, extremely wrong column for the spin-off yeah. about how Paul... Did anyone
2: um, uh, vandalise your copy and take take out the owning power? Was that one molested?
0: No, I mean, that then it would have come in handy because it turned out I was wrong. Right, but. Um, But I predicted that Paula Bennett would go before Bill English uh, because of the dissatisfaction (coughs) within the caucus. Mm. And that dissatisfaction has grown. Paula Bennett is not a popular deputy. Um, There's a lot of misgivings in the caucus uh, about her and about the sort of roles that she's assumed for herself, including campaign chair. Um, and just as I think there is a perception in the caucus that Bridges is a drag on the National Party vote, mm. there is probably another perception as well that Bennett is a drag on Bridges even mm. further. So I think that is the reason for the ticket challenge. Last time there was a leadership challenge, um, Bridges replaced English, Bennett, the great survivor, stayed in as deputy. That's why that's not an option this time.
1: Why Why is she unpopular, Ben?
0: I think there is probably a perception in the caucus that Bennett, since she was promoted by Key to, um, or since since she was promoted by Key out of MSD and into what she saw as a slew of sort of more economic and more technical portfolios, probably hasn't performed at the level uh commensurate to the responsibility that she has asked for. And I think that also includes uh, her work as policy chair for national and their election campaigns, and as uh, now as campaign chair. Um, and, you know, her style is polarizing as well, you know, a word that we're hearing a lot of right now. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of the deputy role is actually that liaison with the caucus, you know, making sure that everyone's happy. And Bennett's not bad at that, but you know she you know, there are, and she certainly has a lot of fans. She's very good at cultivating loyalty within her own staff, within her own office. Um, she's brought a lot of key staff into that leader's office with bridges. Um, but it would be fair to say that she is not a widely popular deputy and, uh, and probably counts against bridges in this contest. Mm. Let's talk a bit about how we got here.
2: Why, Annabelle, our national confronting a leadership contest in the first place? What is it about Simon Bridges' performance? One of the one of the things that he said, and and it's hard to argue with it, is that the all of the political oxygen has been soaked up by the leader, who's been given kind of, you know, from his point of view, there have been like daily. Daily speeches from the throne, you know, and uh, you've got an emergency mode. Uh, with um, quite properly, you have the 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 prime minister addressing the nation uh, routinely. It, n- normal politics stops. What could he have done differently? Is it is? It, do you have any? Do you have sympathy for Bridges in this in this in this mess?
1: I do have sympathy for Simon Bridges. I think. You'd have to be a pretty callous person not to have sympathy for anyone in his position. He obviously, um, you know, is passionate about the National Party and feels that he can make a strong contribution to the country. Um, Obviously, as a descendant of Ngati Maniapoto, you know, I like the idea that there is a Māori man Leading the National Party, but he, um, the Jacinda Ardern COVID nineteen stuff aside, he was already sliding, and there were some little peaks here and there, but he just has, I think, his weakness is his soft skills, Mm. and an inability to, to understand what people's real concerns are and play to them and equally how to not come across as someone who's just barking at at every car going past. I mean, people say that being in opposition is the hardest job in politics, and in some ways it is, but it's also quite... um, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to throw stones um, than it is to actually have to come up with solutions. And I feel like when he does throw stones, he he's not actually hitting the target. Mm. Mm. Um, I think that while it's true that, you know, all politicians around the world are, you know, um, well, any government in crisis tends to have a lot of support, and you know we're seeing crazy stuff like how popular Trump is d- despite his abysmal um, response to COVID. I-, I think that Simon has failed to capitalize on on some of the opportunities he's been given, like um, chairing the the epidemic response committee, and I, I don't. Necessarily think that he's completely done and dusted, and who knows, he if he does lose, we, we may even see him come back. But mm. I, I just think that he, um, he's just out of step with the rest of the it, it's such an intangible thing, mm. Mm. but whatever it is, he he isn't tapped into it.
2: Weirdly, one of the th- things that I noticed is that he, when he gave a rounds of interviews yesterday morning, and he Strategically decided to out the challengers. Um, he didn't name them, but he was the one who announced that there was the coup was on. You know, he, see, he the,
0: seized the initiative. He seized the initiative.
2: He he kind of, if it's a game of poker, he called the hand. You know, mm. um, and uh, in that interview, I thought he was really strong, and it reminded me of some yeah. of his interviews after the whole Jamie Lee Ross, your 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 man uh, Annabelle. Your mentor, your um, spiritual guide, when he after that whole affair to de Jamie Lee Ross, he Bridges was quite strong then too. It's kind of this weird. It's kind of almost a paradox that mm-hmm. when his back's against the wall, he, you know, and and, and you know, we know his wife called him a the street scrapper or whatever, and 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 I don't know if that, if that's true, um, but he does seem to rise to those moments, and it's kind of weird, and you kind of think, shit, if he could somehow channel some of that flow, I sort of wonder, sometimes I wonder whether he's got a bit of a case of the thing that you saw sometimes with David Shearer where you could almost imagine him second-guessing himself, editing mm-hmm. editing his own line of, uh, of of speech, you know? You know, that kind of, that, that when the, the brain is moving at a different pace to the mouth and you, your advisors are imagined in your ear or on your shoulder. I don't know. I is do it?
1: wonder sometimes with him too if instead of, Really going with his gut reaction, or what mm. he genuinely believes, or what he really knows is the right thing to do. If he's constantly kind of projecting out and thinking, "What is it that these people want to hear? Right. What about this side? Yeah. And what about that side?" And I've had conversations with him about Ihumanto and stuff, and I think that you know, underneath it all, he does know that, you know, it's a righteous stand that they're making out there but but that doesn't translate well with national.
2: That'd be a flex, eh, for um, Simon Bridges to go to Humato on <laughs> on Friday ahead of the caucus vote.
1: Well I, I, I guess what it comes down to is, you know, he um pre- in those moments when you see him with his back against the wall, that's probably genuinely him unfiltered, yeah. Yeah. not overly strategised or overly thought through. Yeah. It's like his genuine from-the-heart kind This is of what politics. the leader of the National Party is meant yes. to say at this
2: moment. And You're looking very sceptical there, Ben. Yeah, ben doesn't I'd, like this line of line no. of thought. Yeah,
0: I'd, I'd have two observations about that. The, the first is I think that, yeah, he, he does... Uh, I think he has this sort of idea of how he wants to project that's always in his mind, so, and that's where you know I thought the disastrous moment of that poll result was when he made the wisecrack about the prime minister's hair, you yes. know, about the dying or whatever. And look, you can he tell he was
1: led into that. Of, cor- he of course, he was led into it. it. Of course, he was know, being like...
0: needled. But yeah. remember, it's it's only about a year and a half ago since he was you know goaded into talking about the non-gender specific baby of the PMs or whatever. You've got to learn from this sort of thing. Yeah. If if Simon Bridges hasn't figured out by now that Tover O'Brien is trying to trap him into saying something embarrassing on the news, then, then you know he's got to be a bit of a faster study than that. Mm. <laughs> the the so you, you've got to learn to adapt like that. But the thing is, I think that he believes that you know he's got to show himself and his sense of humour and his personality mm. or whatever that whatever mm. politicians have in in their minds you always hear this from opposition leaders. They say, "I've we, you know, the public has just got to get to know me. Mm. Well, look, on a personal level, you know, whether Simon Bridges is likeable or whether Jacinda Ardern is likeable are subjective matters. You might think they're likeable, you might not. On a statistical population level, it is a fact that Simon Bridges is not likeable. You know, there, there, are, there are... Most people are quite likeable, you know. It's, it's the same, I guess, it's the difference... Let me put it this way, you know, when you say that, you know, uh, somebody is likable, but then you try and translate that to being likable to the whole population of New Zealand for an election campaign, that's the same way that most of us think we can, you know, make our friends laugh and that we're funny people, and then go and do a stand-up open mic night, right? And you find out that it's a very different skill set and i th- i think bridges hasn't made that kind of leap yet. <laughs> look um, when you
2: when you when you talk about that poll um it was a devastating poll in lots of ways one which mirrored uh, other private polling for the labor party and or or, or at least by umr and and it seems also internal polling for the national party which hasn't been shared with caucus but the the killer numbers are and i mean put it this way According to their read poll for News Hub, three in ten New Zealanders would vote for the National Party. Which is, you know, that's that's fewer than less than one in ten less than one in twenty less than one in twenty would want Simon Bridges to be Prime Minister. And that's just I mean, if you're if you if 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 you're a member of the, if you're a national MP, you just look at that and you yeah. go, Well, that's is
0: that and, survivable? And and the interesting part of that is that you would have thought that the people who wanted Simon Bridges to be prime minister would be the more hardcore National Party supporters, right? right. You know who were still in that thirty percent that right. remained after they lost, you yes. fifteen or whatever. Yes. You would have, th- you know, y- your instinct would be, well, you know, people who are in the middle wouldn't that be like, number oh, I want stays Bridges to be the prime minister, exactly? Right. Yeah. So you'd think that it wouldn't have dropped much. Yeah. So I think that is a bit of a key that. You know, he has performed badly. And look, of course, he's unlucky here. You know, he wasn't sliding before COVID. In fact, he was poised to become the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Um on on both the, on, on all the on 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 the on the previous yeah. three Colmar Brunton yeah. polls. It was in. He National was, in, was in pole position. Yeah. yeah. Now his you know, numbers who, still weren't great by the his way. Personal his personal numbers weren't. Yeah. His, his personal numbers weren't, but yeah. National <laughs> was holding steady. Yeah. There was every chance he would be our next prime minister.
2: And it looked like forty was a ceiling. It looked like forty percent was a ceiling uh, uh, or, or a floor. Yeah. A ceiling and a floor. Like a whole house. Yeah. It was a house. But,
0: and, and and you'd expect that because National National really successfully consolidated the center right vote in 2005. They crushed United Future, they crushed ACT. They diminished New Zealand First. You know, they really created a a, a large super party in an MMP environment which has held very steady since. Um, so to drop to 30% because you know, you know it's not like when Labour drops to 30% in the Greens go up to ten, right? These are voters who have left the centre right, mm. crossed that median strip, mm. and gone over to support a centre left government. So that you know, so this is worse. It is for national, but also those
2: are, are people who are going to go back. Like <laughs> they, so, so when the when the you know like when the recession bites, or you know, pick mm. your own cliche, they're going back. You know, and and the question for I mean, it's, as you put it in your column for the spinoff.co.nz this morning, Ben. The question is whether or not bridges as a net gain or a net loss to that to that to that move. You know? oh, and, net, net, and and I mean the, because there is a reasonable <laughs> there is a reasonable argument to be made that the, those people are moving back when it starts to get really fucking bad out there economically as it will as as no one would really deny. And there is a reasonable argument to be made that a tub of lard would bring more people back to the national party as leader than Simon Bridges. Which
0: which brings us back to Todd Muller, right? Yeah. The you know uh, 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 a sheepdog with a national party rosette, mm. you know, and, and, you know, we can't, yeah, we can't discount how bad things, you know, how unlucky Bridges has been in this, but we also have to acknowledge that politics is not about individuals' personal journey towards fulfilment and and, and achieving goals, it's not about Hillary Clinton fulfilling her childhood dream of being president. It's not about Simon Bridges really wanting to stay leader of the National Party. You know, they, he, he may well he may well remain the leader, but but that can't be the reason. And, and the fact that he has suffered bad luck can't be the reason that you would keep him on because everything has changed those a lot of people will come back to national in the medium term so long term is a massive four months away which is the election short term is you know one month medium term is two to three months in the medium term yeah look unemployment is going to be catastrophic it's going to hit up to 10% by um by September that that's I think that's a conservative estimate one thing to remember is that when we have 3.5% unemployment in New Zealand, that's basically zero. That's basically everyone who wants a job apart from a tiny, tiny core of long-term unemployed uh, in work, and then that 3.5% just reflects people on short-term breaks between jobs. So, when you're talking about going from four point two percent as we were in January up to ten percent that's not three times as much unemployment as we, we we had in January that's uh you know what fifteen times much as much unemployment you know it will be a very very different country and I mean, you know, you could argue about whether this helps or hurts labor. I mean, you know if labor have been searching for the missing million of unemployed voters and marginalized people uh, for a long time, you know, and if you can't find them, make your own, right? <laughs> get get five hundred thousand more people on benefits that that should help the center left. but um, but you know so, so you know, people will come back you know or, or will leave the, will leave labor, whether they come back to national will depend on how much they personally like the leader, what sort of credible alternatives being offered. Um, And then the other thing is the self-fulfilling prophecy of the polls, which is if three months out, nationalists still not in a position to form a government, at that point, people who bitterly oppose Labour and blame them for job losses and think that they're not handling the economy well and see David Clark still somehow in a ministerial position have a few options. They can vote for national... To keep their numbers up in opposition. They can vote for Winston Peters in New Zealand first to act as a handbrake on the Labour government, or they can vote for ACT to sort of stiffen the spine of ideological resistance to the government. We've seen all of those scenarios play out before. Um, and if if they go for those two latter options, then national, you know, could decline even further. Then you might be you got pro- a two thousand and two scenario. Two thousand and two scenario where they plummeted to twenty one percent under Bill English.
2: Um, well, that's a thorough thesis. Hello there, Simon Pound here from another spin-off
0: podcast with a little bit of cross-promo for you. If you might be into the stories of Aotearoa's most interesting entrepreneurs and innovators, you might like to check out Business is Boring, the podcast I host that reckons it's anything. But if that
2: sounds like a bit of you, it's available through the spin-off or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Hey, if you love the spin-off, the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members. It's fun that helps keep us free and accessible to all without a paywall, and it funds some of our most important and respected journalism. Let's talk, because we should, also a bit about the government. Um, because while it's pretty hard to argue anything other than the government, group of senior ministers and senior staffers have done a kind of outstanding job in terms of uh, leading and policy making and communicating in the aftermath of the unimaginable COVID crisis there is equally what looks like a fairly shallow talent pool around them and uh, if you were the National Party you can point to a lame duck health minister who you mentioned, David Clark. You can point to a uh, deputy leader of the Labour Party in Calvin Davis and tourism minister who is being roundly attacked by a tourism industry. And we we could debate um, whether or not that's reasonable. Uh, And you've got a minister of economic development and minister of transport who is responsible for kiwi builders and had to give up on the light rail i mean you know there's a there's a certain you sort of feel as though there's a little bit of a triumvirate in operation with labor that has done i think an outstanding job but you look at uh Jacinda Ardern Grant Robertson and David Parker um Chris Hipkins has performed really well i think uh, but, but but you quite quickly move to i mean as it starts to get back to business as usual a bit, these ministers who are being kept from p- appearing at the epidemic um mm. response committee, ministers who have been sent a memo that tells them they don't need to that they shouldn't appear in interviews and they don't need to they don't need to um they they can dismiss rather than explaining. Is that a problem? Is that a problem for them, do you think, Annabelle?
1: I I think um That email being leaked was definitely a problem Mm. for them, and I'd be interested to know who did it and and why, and if anything has been done to to identify who it was. I think the wording of that email was really unfortunate and obviously not meant to make it into the public, Mm. Um, but but sending out those sort of messages to your caucus, I would have thought that there's actually nothing very unusual about that at all, and at all, and that probably it was a fairly standard um, um, approach for national. I think that interesting when they were government. I think the interesting thing that COVID has done is, as it's narrowed our focus down onto just the leadership, it's really. Um, played to Labor's strengths mm. and unfortunately for Simon played to National's weaknesses because in Jacinda Ardern we have this amazing communicator who is you know like you say she's got her, her tight group around her, her who are competent but but outside of that it starts to, to get a bit thin on the ground. So it's, it's, it's highlighted her mm. and the weaker people have fallen away and it's had the opposite effect in National where you know your other strong players have melted into the background and Simon's become the focus of, of mm. all the media attention, which has also probably um, added to the public's um, dislike of him.
2: And it's certainly a difficult line to, line to run as an opposition that um, as soon as you start drawing attention to the talent pool around them, it's almost as good as saying, we've lost the battle for having a, <laughs> having a strong leader, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, we've seen oppositions try and do this before. Labour kept trying to do it yeah. when they had poor leaders yeah. um, or leaders who didn't connect. You know, look at the team. Yeah. Um, you know, the team should be four or five people at most. You know, it should be recognisable people. Um, the we're it's still a problem for the government, though. I mean, in the campaign, mm. the attention will be on the leaders. It'll be Jacinda versus Bridges slash Muller. Mm. Um,
2: Cut one of those out. Now like <laughs>
0: <that>. <laughs> on the other hand, um, you know, in the ordinary course of life, in the wake of an economic collapse that's coming. Uh, ministers can't hide forever. I mean, we've already seen, you know, Twyford's been under house arrest and he's still managed to, you know, lose the light rail somewhere. Um, it, you know, the business of government doesn't stop. They have a huge competence gap. They have since the beginning, and and what's worse is that some, the f- part of that small core of people who were identified as trusted high performers from opposition, David Clark and Phil Twyford, have turned out to be some of the worst of the lot. Where Labour can address this is that, you know, currently they're riding very high in the polls. Mm. What they should basically be doing right now is like a global talent search. Mm. They should be, I mean, they should be breaking down the door Mm. of infectious disease expert and Labour candidate for the and and elected member of the Capital Coast DHB, Aisha Verrill, who Mm. did that contact tracing report. Mm. They should be literally like shoving her in a car <laughs> and, and and she you know she would she would wake up from being drugged at a Labour selection meeting and mm. she'll be told she's the next minister of health after the election mm. they they have a very strong position to attract talent from you know part, part of the reason that their talent pool is so bad is because in 2011 and 2014 their results were so disappointing that none of the you know most of the decent newcomers didn't make it from the list and so everyone was too scared to go on in 2017, and they ended up with a lot of the people that they have now. Um, you know, when they unexpectedly picked because of Ardern. Right now, they are guaranteed to gain seats. They can they can basically draft in some star players. Mm. You know, and and look, it'll hurt a few feelings on the backbench, but if you can bring in nationally recognised experts, um, which they should be able to attract at this stage, um, you know, they they can they can address that competence problem during the campaign, if not in the months leading up to it, where certainly some of their ministers will screw up the response.
2: Um,
1: Good plan, Ben.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely man. true that I think there are various people who would have, in the years, uh, the key years, have gravitated towards uh, launching political careers with, say, the Green Party, um, because the Labour Party just mm-hmm. looked so hapless, will now be, as you say, um, like taking the meetings let's talk briefly um about what we had originally meant to be discussing which is the budget um which seems because as we know time doesn't exist in any linear sense any longer um was only a week ago um and was uh, as trailed a once in a hundred years budget it was included a 50 billion dollar rescue fund with 20 billion of it yet to be allocated um but uh was criticized too for not being the transformational budget that some would have liked to have seen uh, remembering of course that Cinder Ardern was the one who used the word transformational um, uh, counter-argument to that being that you don't necessarily want to completely rebuild the the uh, ship while you're trying to sail it out of a storm. Um, Grant Robertson, in the lead-up did, however, use the metaphor that if your house had burnt down, you wouldn't build it back the same way. What do you, what did you, what did you make of the of, of the budget and and its its meaning Annabelle about Lee Matha?
1: I think that by and large, the economic response to COVID has been pretty strong. Um, but there has been a few anomalies, I think. Um, the government not taking the opportunity to really pump up, you know, if they're serious about addressing child poverty, I would have thought that we would have seen a lot more um, investment, serious investment um, mm-hmm. in in that area. And as you say, Ben, um, as... A, 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 It's kind of amusing to me that, you know, we're talking about um, rising unemployment potentially as high as 8%. Um, That's what the Māori unemployment rate is at the moment, and... When we interviewed Tau for Ma Tangirea when he was Minister of Maori Affairs, Maori unemployment was at twenty percent. Mm. So it's funnily enough, it feels like New Zealand's getting a, a little bit of a taste about of what it's like to be Maori when you know the um, Crown comes in and uh, imposes all these laws <laughs> upon you, and um, and you uh, suffer um, from. With the unemployment and economic insecurity and um the, this concern about you know future the generations uh, future generations having to pay off this massive debt I saw a a tweet by um, Reverend Hirini Kawari talked about for Māori that's nothing new when you've had your land um, taken off you by wars and laws mm. and, and your um, and your future generations have been um, uh, hugely economically disadvantaged but yet there's no um, burning desire to level out the playing field mm. for them. So it's creating an... A, a, it's, yeah, it's an it's created an, a new interesting dynamic in the country, and what I, I what I think you know may happen is as we see more middle class Pakeha being forced onto benefits, which is awful and terrible. But unlike Maori, I think they won't tolerate as much shit in terms of the appalling treatment that they get from WINS and the lack of... Um, of and
2: trying of, to live off that amount of money. And trying to of live money. off a disgraceful, shameful
1: yep. amount of money every week. And, you know, as we've seen, you know, $67 million for Fletchers in wage subsidy and then they go and lay off a whole lot of people anyway. That's that's almost as much as what Taranaki got for the the... the you know, having all of the millions of acres that have right. removed from them. Right. So, it'll be interesting to see if with this massive influx of of people coming onto the benefit, if we actually see some some changes. It was intre- happen there, and, and maybe a better a better go for our beneficiaries. We
2: had a, ran a piece yesterday morning from Madam Davidson, who is the co leader of the Green Party, um, saying that the budget it was kind of one of those sort of carefully worded pieces that was trying to criticise the budget but not too much because obviously mm. they're a support party which was kind of a sequel to a piece that also ran on the spin-off from Julian Genter after that big infra- infrastructure spend which was widely criticised by many Green supporters for not really for being so road focused mm. um, and uh, the, the, the piece yesterday uh, got a bit lost in the middle of the, the, the national coup and, 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 and other things but it does Sort of, it will be interesting to see how it plays out going into the election and how hard the Greens will push on that because benefits went up by twenty five dollars. Mm. That was one of the first things that was done. Mm. Yeah, you that's know, true. Um, but not in the the budget didn't see any any other lift in benefit levels. We had an advisory group that suggested that the entire benefit bene, the, the entire welfare system was completely um, completely outdated and failed. You know and, and and, and the
1: vast majority of their recommendations were completely ignored. Completely
2: ignored, yeah. It sort of seemed to have got filed, basically. Mm. Um, and, um, I mean, it's to your point a bit, Ben, about where some of the vote might go for in, in terms of on the right, how much of it might go to New Zealand first. The Greens are going to run a campaign that is if you want the Labour Party to be what you thought they would be rather than centre, you have to vote for us. But...
0: It's going to be a hard argument. That's be, a hard argument because they're already there. La- Labour, it's Labour already runs a government qua sine non. The Greens, uh, oh, very that, good. Very thank good. You, thank yeah. you. Well done. Oh, Just yeah. take a moment. Bit yeah. of, bit of yeah. lockdown duolingo. Yeah, yeah, I love no, it. <laughs> the um, you know, the, the Labour already can't pass a budget without the Greens. You know, the, the Greens. It's hard for them to argue that they will have more influence if they have 7% or 8% or or whatever. There there is an argument that if New Zealand first are gone, Mm. uh, the Greens have more sway. Mm. Um, But it is absolutely, if, if, if if the
2: personalities in the Green Party were the personalities, some of the personalities in New Zealand first, then they would be kicking some shit up, right? They would be saying, where's our stuff? You know, and said mm. they they send out quite polite press releases a lot about a win for blah blah blah, mm. and you know, I mean James Shaw got uh, the carbon zero bill through, you know that's the, which included negotiations with with, with, with Todd Todd, Todd, yeah. <laughs> Todd Muller, um who, uh, you know which is which is something, but I don't know what do you think Annabelle do you do you feel like it's if if you if you were advising the Green Party would you start. Uh, withholding support for some things, start making a song and dance, or would you do same old? Remembering they they did get over five percent. What did they get in the New sub Poll? Like nearly six, I think. Where New Zealand First was two and a half. Should they be, should they be shouting more loudly about those that part of about that part of the equation? I, about-
1: I, I think um, I'd be telling them to flex for sure, mm. a- and that's the simple difference between. Um, new zeal New Zealand first and the greens is Winston you know because mm. Winston flexes all day mm. long his his you know whether or not you agree with it, his supporters hear exactly what he is doing, you know, and he'll scream bloody murder from the rooftops if anybody tries to push through anything that he mm. th- you know that he doesn't agree with and i I don't think it would hurt the the greens too um to be Um, a bit more outspoken on those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, and and Shane Jones as well, obviously. Um, I think part of the problem is that the Greens don't have a single MP, certainly not at that ministerial level, who has both the temperament Mm. to kind of stir things up and also the experience and knowledge of the system to know how to do that Um, so marama obviously can be very oppositional but i think tends to get a bit lost in process stuff she isn't very good at navigating the environment within parliament it doesn't seem Um, whereas james Shaw, you know can find his way around the beehive and policy, uh, but you know, I mean, look, he's a consultant. He's not mm. a. He's not also, a, He's, he's, also he's, he's not a, a firebrand. Also,
2: he's a. He's a senior minister, though though I not though he, not in cabinet, whereas where Maluwa Davidson isn't. Oh, well, Shane Ch- Ch- Ch-
0: Jones is a senior minister in cabinet, but yeah. he he still manages mm-hmm. to um, yep. you know make his presence felt, and this is not a criticism of them. They're just too you know. In in the same way that the Greens the you know you could say there are two sides to their party as a support party, uh, New Zealand First has two sides, but they're all they're encapsulated in the same individuals who can sort of turn on a dime. Um, you know, Winston Peters and Shane Jones know how to be disruptive in a in a process oriented way, um, which I don't think any of the Greens do. You would think Chloe Swarbrick and Gollars uh I think have the potential to do that. They're mm-hmm. both they're both good operators and are both um what shall we say? Maybe a bit more um a bit more
2: uh, find a if you're d- a Latin term.
0: Sine qua non. Yeah, bit <laughs> yeah, but a bit um, a bit more maybe driven to differentiate the Greens than some of their other ministerial um, colleagues.
1: Part of it too is just flying hours like The Greens have never been in government before, Hmm. and and uh, you know I do think that you know it's such a shame that Matidia isn't in Parliament at the moment because I feel like that's definitely the role she would have taken and had she been the Minister of um, MSD, that I think there would have been a lot more in the budget. Certainly, an
2: interesting kind of thought experiment to imagine what uh, uh, Russell Norman and Matidia. Today would be in in, in in that grouping. Hey, um, uh, uh, speaking of smaller parties, there's also the, the Māori Party, um, who, uh, are starting to take a kind of unexpected form in a way. We've got we've got Duingarua a mm-hmm. leader who's now co leader with. With 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 John Tamihere, mm. which I mean we haven't talked about that because it's it's one of those things that every you know the, the, that would that would have been a quite a a, a a fairly big political story. It just got overwhelmed by everything else. How's that going to work, Annabelle?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the Maori Party have always been able to. Um, sell themselves as the party of resistance, as the party who took the ultimate moral stand and yeah. voted against the foreshore and forged, seabed legislation. Forged out of that resistance, mm, and um, and now they're being led by someone who voted for that legislation. So it'll be right. interesting to see right. how they spin that one out.
2: Um, and there were we, you know, one of the one of the few. Missteps or U-turns or whatever you want to call it was over tangihanga. I mean, it was t- yeah. tangihanga and funerals and mm. the numbers were changed, but the, the most compelling part of the backlash against that came from Te A yeah. um in terms of saying you've got to be kidding 10 people at a tangi when you can have 100 people at Leo Malloy's, um, oh, you know, debauched <coughs> waterfront pub. Mm. Um I don't know. There was talk during that, that 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 could create a backlash. But are those Māori seats now basically done and dusted? Are we? Is it? Is it? A, is, it a, is it a royal flush for the Labor Party again?
1: I wouldn't want to say it's a a royal flush because there's still a little bit of you know time between now and then. And yeah. So I would say that so long as nothing catastrophic happens between now and then, that it's more than likely. That they will take out at least six of the seats. Mm. Um, I, I think that um, that um, Deborah. Um, does pose a threat in Te tai mm-hmm. Um She's a very strong candidate. She's getting a lot of airtime. She's a great communicator. She's popular. She's on the front line. Um, I, I understand that Adrian Dudafe is a is a strong electorate MP, mm. um, but I do think that if there are any um, weaknesses in... You know, within those Maori seats for Labour, that that could possibly be it because she is such a such a strong candidate.
2: Um, we've probably been talking long enough, so should we wrap it up? But um, just quickly, Annabelle, you and your uh, multi award winning, acclaimed television program, The Hui. You've got something on the Arumei sort of uh, changes that are being rushed through?
1: We do. We've got a nice story with Ngati Teata, who um, uh, their matriarch, who's obviously passed away now, the late Dame Ngani Korman she sort of spearheaded um, the... Drive to have um, Māori values enshrined within the, the RMA like tanga and the uh. need to consult with Māori and the treaty and all of that stuff so they're concerned because the government is proposing um, legislation to fast track the RMA process by sidestepping it altogether so that they can get their shovel ready mm. uh, projects underway um, and if that happens, and there's no um, there's no consultation with maori then obviously that is a huge issue and an explosive issue so um
2: especially coming after the some of the the uproar around that alert level two bill the the the, the public health bill that was rushed through in forty eight hours which yeah. included in its original form some Wording that was very concerning about warrantless entry on Māori, mm,
1: which of course for Māori just brings back memories of the you know raid in Te Uruwera as yeah. a result of the Terrorism Suppression Act. So so long as nobody tries to put any funky ass legislation through like that, I, w- I wouldn't think that Labour has too much of a problem in the Māori seats. But anyway, Ngāti uh, Te Atta just talk about um, their concerns around the RMA. It's obviously um, still going through cabinet um so there may be some changes but it hasn't been um clarified yet what provisions are going to be made for maori consultation mm. within that fast track process mm.
0: with with that fast track process i mean the easiest way around that for the government is um to partner with iwi on the shovel ready projects um you know there, i think there, there's been a bit of concern around that um, from the uh, from the finance minister's uh, comments in his speech, that they might just be basically going to local government and government agencies to spend all of this money, sure. which, if you think about it, is not really the seat of the kind of forward thinking, modernising the economy, new ways of doing things, yeah. innovation, that uh, you know they originally sort of trumpeted for this fund that now turns out to be $3 billion. Yeah. Um, and you would think that you'd be getting the iwi in to help on regional development there.
2: Well, it's definitely you know it's definitely boom time for shovels. You know, like just just everyone's just getting shovels. I've got a shovel and in my car.
1: Is also a, hammer ready? I'm ready for the new economy. Ready. Are you hammer ready?
2: Just, it's. Um, I'm hammer ready. Um, uh, and then play out with. Hammer time there or something? Yeah. I guess just in yeah, the yeah, podcast. Yeah. What have you got on this weekend, Ben? You probably on, you seem to be on every time I turn on the radio or the television. There's Ben Thomas uh, being God, I uh, think expert commentator on
0: the nation. Oh Hi. yeah, oh, so Q&A. And on
1: set. Okay. Oh really? Oh. I think so. don't, 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 don't tell them. Oh. Don't tell them
0: though. They might they might it's cancel your me as a conflict. Wow. I'm like I'm cheating on them. Uh, <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel privileged to get this amount of time with them. don't you're one
1: thirsty little
0: commentator,
2: Thomas. Come in, come. Thanks, Alice, for your help today in making this in real life podcast possible. Thank you to Flick Electric for being very cool. Thank you to Spinoff Off members for being very cool. Thank you to Annabelle. Lee Mather, thank you to Ben Thomas. I'm Toby Mano. Bye. Bye.